Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2017 film Gifted. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen it, just be aware that we discuss the plot and it'll be spoiled for you. Enjoy. It's Patty. Mr. Rob Gordon, sir, what will your pleasure be? If you like shit jokes and podcasting, you ain't never had a friend like me. (laughs) I worked on that for a few hours. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so we went to see the new Aladdin this morning at 10am this morning at the baby friendly screening. You know what? It was awesome. Oh yeah, brilliant. It was great. It was sold out because obviously, yeah, 10 a.m. on a Thursday, that's the time when all the all the mums and a few dads want to go. At first, I was the only dad in the room and I was like, please let me be the only dad. I don't know why I wanted to win the dad competition. But um, <laughs> yeah, there were maybe they had to like um, put on another screen because it was so popular. So the screen holds like maybe, I don't know, 50 to 60 people. Um, and yeah, so there were probably 70 or 80 people and you get free tea and coffee. So yeah, ev- everyone's hanging out in the foyer. I've never seen so many babies in one place all at once. So you think it'd be incredibly chaotic, but actually it was fine. Oh, was excellent. Good. And even like in the screen, they had the lights down quite and the volume quite low, but still like good enough for you to hear and to see. And it wasn't that noisy at all. Just a bit of a sort of low background chatter. I'd almost go as far as to say that it was better than a regular, um, regular screening because at regular screenings, there, you just there's a high chance of encountering some tit who thinks it's okay to text or talk or shout at the screen or munch loudly or just generally make noise. Babies don't do any of that, do they? See, that's why um, I'm quite happy that I have the cinema near me, where the most annoying thing would be someone whispering quietly whilst eating hummus. <laughs> yeah, oh, pass me the carrot sticks, Marjorie. <laughs> 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 the, the the biggest disruption i had was i went to go and see um rocket man and oh you uh, did yes which is very good i like it i like it more than bohemian rhapsody which is a movie that i didn't interesting i didn't i didn't feel the huge backlash that other people did for bohemian rhapsody because i got what i expected out of it um but rocket man is just a level above in terms of its direction and um there's a there's a magic to it there's almost these moments of magic realism where it combines um it combines sort of like musical numbers with the main story Mm. and it's all framed in a very interesting way so it's not your regular biopic it's it's very different from that um but it does involve singing kids and singing kids is kind of a deal breaker for me (laughs) <laughs> what you like it or you don't i despise children singing in anything <laughs> particularly when they sing songs like saturday night's all right for fighting where you're just like no no that should never be sung by a 12 year old boy that <laughs> Stop sounds it. very wrong yeah it was it was bad 
Um, but thankfully, the vast majority of the film does not involve singing children. It's just in the early scenes. Good. Yeah, I've, I've heard that about it. And the, it's appropriate that the tagline for it is a true fantasy, which I think is actually a really, really good way to describe it. I say this as if I've seen it. I haven't seen it, but I think it looks good. And I think that's actually a much better approach to take with a biopic type film. Maybe it's not necessarily a biopic in the true sense, but I think that's way more interesting than trying to tell a sto- a true story that people might be aware of bits of that people are only going to pick holes in. Whereas if you just put all that out the window and say we're actually going to make something entertaining that still kind of gets that story across, or definitely does get the story of a person's life across, I think you're better off doing it that way, aren't you? Yeah, and you know how I feel about biopics in general. I find them generally quite boring. Um, I get bored very easily of, oh, look, here's a person. Let's talk about how great they are and show them slowly aging and turning into an old person. I I don't care for that. Usually, oftentimes, it'll be, there was a bit of their life when they were a bit of a bastard, so let's focus on that and make it all about that versus the 30 to 40 years that came after where they were probably fine. <laughs> well, I don't mind. I don't mind that. You know, you've got to remember, you've got to remind people of when they were awful. Um, otherwise, they won't learn from it and they'll they'll turn into Paul Dano from our previous movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That was his problem. Nobody, nobody ever told him he was awful. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, but what I do mind is just boring eulogizing over people mm-hmm. whereas i find people are starting to take more risks you shouldn't read the bible then yeah exactly bible more like all that talk about that jesus guy you know more like he wasn't he wasn't so great more i saw like, him kick a cat once <laughs> more like bible if you know what i mean uh, yeah this disclaimer <laughs> i did not just say that bible yeah god god if you're listening we don't mean it no, we us, don't we don't mean it um but yeah i i because you've got the upcoming um david bowie biopic but it just focuses on a tiny portion of his life when he first uh visits america ah, or you've or you've got the who's playing him so it's, it's johnny flynn like, i think that's right yeah, yeah and i like him and i i've never been like a huge bowie fan but i get it this is a, i think he's got three or four tracks that are really good and the rest doesn't do much for me but I get it. I understand what an important cultural figure he was. And the amazing thing about him was he was never afraid to just reinvent himself more or less daily, which I think is an incredible quality for someone to have and to still be, you know, maintain cultural relevance and consistency throughout a musical career. And, you know, but I'd never be that interested in watching a film with him. But because it's Johnny Flynn, I'm actually quite intrigued. Johnny Flynn, who was in Beast, of course. Yeah, I thought he was very good in that. And I, I'd like people to do, I'd love them to do a series of different biopics about um, Bowie because obviously he went through so many stages in his life. I, mm. I want the crazy industrial experimentation of the 1990s Bowie, for instance. I'd love to see someone do a breakdown of that. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, when he reinvented himself in the 80s into a much more straightforward figure than the glam of the of the era before. But I think, you know that that's the kind of thing that i think would be a stretch for anybody to to make <laughs> just just to you know i i think they they they've pushed it as far as they can down that route before like producers and and execs start getting a bit testy yeah um but it's the kind of thing that i think bowie would appreciate as well rather than just a straightforward um beloved oh he's such a genius film i am so great i am so great everybody loves me i am so great yeah that's most biopics yeah exactly and most of them are boring as hell whereas yeah. whereas rocket man wasn't it was very interesting very entertaining oh. great performances all round um so yeah Excellent. go see it everybody it's awesome 
it has a great gay sex scene excellent it's it's the first one of that kind in such a sort of uh, mainstream movie apparently is it really yeah uh, to the to the extent that it shows it any that that's what people oh. have been saying anyway that's kind of disappointing in a way but yeah i suppose that is fair the main mainstream cinema as nebulous a concept as that is still has some way to go yeah exactly um but it's it's good i i like it there weren't any gay sex scenes in Aladdin, unfortunately. There was there was no scenes of Aladdin and the genie just Aladdin getting it on. Yeah. Getting sweaty. Yeah. The genie gets his freedom, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler for Aladdin. Is it his first <laughs> just imagining <laughs> the, the genie like, comes up and is like, You've rubbed my lamp. What do you want? It's like my first wish. Get undressed. <laughs> Just like right there in the cave. They don't even bother going outside. No, exactly. That probably does exist with, and is on with the, a website a website called the Pornographic Hub. The 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 carpet just awkwardly standing in the background. <laughs> yeah, and then Abu the monkey looks at the carpet and he's like, Do you want to have a go? And they're like, Yeah, sure. Bow <laughs> wow. certainly hotter um, than aladdin yeah (laughs) aladdin is good i'm i'm a big fan of will smith as the genie it's very very good because he makes it his own but it still feels like a worthy homage to you know what was a very very good performance from robin williams a very important one so yeah I, I recommend that as well. I rate it. Oh, cool. It's good fun. And uh, that's obviously the first time I've ever rated a film that was directed by Guy Ritchie. So obviously I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> I do like a bit of Guy. bit of Guy Ritchie. Um, but the thing for me is that these um, Disney live action movies, there's there's something magical. Live action. L- lion live action. Yeah. Lion action. Um there's something magical about the way that they were animated back in the time and and so for me at least it's like if someone made a live action version of a studio ghibli film it wouldn't be able to replicate it so i need to try and uh separate the initial movie from the new one um and i was able to do that with with cinderella um because they made so many changes to it as well that it felt very much like its own thing but beauty and the beast they they made it really long and dull (laughs) beauty and the beast is terrible it's it's one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life um and that was just basically a shot for shot remake of the original one apart from they added in a few bits here and there that didn't make any sense and they had people who couldn't sing um apart from luke evans obviously i was was gonna say you're you're staring into dangerous territory here of dissing Luke Evans, but Luke, who, Luke who Evans we is love. Luke Evans and um, Dan Stevens are the two things about that movie that make it work. President of Wales, Luke Evans. <laughs> President of Wales, Luke Evans. But apart from that, and it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life, and one of the I wouldn't even say it's disappointing because I don't really love the original that much. I, I recognise it as being a really good Disney film, but it's not something I I love. Um, but it's it's terrible. It's an awful film, and and. As someone who really loved Aladdin when I was growing up, I I think I need to be in that space where I can separate it separate it out from the original. Um, yes, you, you even do. though even though a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, it's it's better than I thought it was going to be." Um, yeah, can it replicate the sheer joy of the animation and the sheer wonder of the color? Because look, looking at a lot of them, like the the supposed live action Lion King, which isn't a live action movie; it's an animated movie. Come on, guys, it's just CGI. Um, it, it's drab. It's browns and greys because it's real animals running around. Yeah, um, there's, and there there's was a none bit of that, of that color 
in the um, A Whole New World sequence. I won't spoil it for you, but that was just was comparatively drab because it's at night and it's all... Yeah, I don't know if actually maybe the co- the contrast was a bit off, but yeah, that seemed a bit drab in comparison. So that's all I'll say about that. But overall, very, very good. And I loved Aladdin as a kid as well. So and I think it, it, it did, you know, it paid... It was a worthy tribute to the original that you can see as its own thing. Oh, cool. Okay. I, I, I might not see it in the cinema, but I might pick it up when it... Um when it appears after its cinematic run yeah the prince is still fresh it (laughs) it was a film with two princes yeah prince rogers nelson appears at the end playing in the credits (laughs) no because you've got you've got fresh prince and you've got prince ali yeah uh and clearly you've got prince at the end yeah, he's in the credits of every Apparently. film. Did you not know this? Because he's rocking in heaven. He's just like, um, yeah, he's in the sky at the end of every single film somewhere. Even if it's only for just a second, he'll appear on a cloud with his band and yeah, sing you to sleep. In in the Lion King one, alongside Mufasa Cloud, the most, yeah. the, it's just going to be Prince there next to him. Yeah, because Prince is like a lion. <laughs> it's a little, little lion cub. Yeah, a um, man cub. <laughs> Oh dear. So, Gifted is a film. Yep, I watched that today as well, so I've seen two films today. Very nice. It's a rare, a a two-film day. But the baby has slept through both of them, so he's doing great. Oh, there we go. Which means he's actually probably going to keep us up all night. Ah, no. Ah, It's all good. Yeah, Gifted. I had not seen this one before, but my wife really wanted me to watch it because, well, she finally agreed that I hadn't seen it before, even though she insisted that I had which is which was odd but she really likes it and um had a quite an emotional response to it and she wanted me to watch it for that reason i think um, more so than there being a romantic plot because there's a there's a very small romantic subplot which ends up in the last scene of the film with chris evans and jenny slate locking eyes which is and just just made me go Ooh, and then the film was over <laughs> literally locking their eyes together yeah with, with keys yeah padlocks he gets a giant padlock <laughs> out and he's like come here so, I'm Captain America. <laughs> so yeah, it's not um it's not a romantic movie really. You've got those little bits here and there. And and the, and the the two characters work well together, but in reality it's more of a family film and it's it revolves around this this interesting family dynamic, doesn't it? Yeah. Have you had you seen it before? I hadn't seen it before, no. Um I I'd heard of it before because everyone was around saying, "Oh look, it's a Chris Evans movie where he's not punching people in the face." That we yeah. know of. That we know of, yeah. Behind the scenes, when he's down at the boatyard fixing all his boats, this guy goes, "Can you, can you, can you?" Um, I was gonna say, "Can you punch my boat?" <laughs> <laughs> can you punch my boat? <laughs> this guy comes up and he's like, "Can you punch my boat?" He's like, "Sure." Yeah, just to prove how strong he is. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's all these deleted scenes where he, where like spies turn up and they're like, "We're gonna get the 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 secret math puzzle." Yeah. And he goes, "No, you thesis. won't." And then he he beats them up and it's all dramatic but they decided yeah. that uh, they wanted to cut those i think wisely it would have yeah. it would have detracted from the overall feel of the film wouldn't it because it is a film that has quite a few different elements to its plot that all interlink quite nicely not in a sort of like an intricate fantasy way like a like a captain marvel avengers endgame whatever it's not like that but um it does have a few different elements to its plot so if you were to add in the spy bit that was going on in the background with the guys from caltech who were trying to get it and mit competing for this math thesis and all of that stuff it just would have been too much you know we all know that it was happening it doesn't need to be said and it's really this film is very very good at you know saying what doesn't need to be said right 
Yeah, and we we all know that in in real life, even Chris Evans is constantly being attacked by people. It's it's why he's such a good actor. It's that you yeah, know he that's spent, how he got so chiseled. He he spends all this time, you know, trying to make movies, and even within the movies, people are genuinely attacking him. A good fifty percent of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fights involving Captain America they aren't scripted. It's just someone turns up on set and tries to kill Chris Evans, and here he he's there in costume, and he's like, "Well, I better hit this person with this shield." You know that's that's how great he is. He doesn't let it uh, stop him from doing his job, a job which he does very well. Um, the ba- back into serious mode now. Um, I, what? I, I don't want to go into serious mode. I, I really love Chris Evans. Um, I've always yeah, loved him. Not as that an, one. As a, <laughs> not that one. Um, I've always loved him as an actor. Um, and I think he's a he's someone who he's had this huge explosion of popularity in part thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, um, people love him as Captain America, but beyond that... You mean not he's, because of Scott Pilgrim? He's he's actually incredibly talented, so you know, in Scott Pilgrim, he's one of the people that makes the biggest impressions in that film. Um, he's See, also... He still, to me, will always be Lucas Lee from Scott <laughs> Pilgrim, because at the time when the film came out, I had, I'd read the comics and I loved the character in the comics so much, and he absolutely nailed what it was in the comics, like it was just perfect. It's so good. And Beyond that, he's also in Danny Boyle's Sunshine, which is a film I really love, um, a, a sci-fi movie with a real unique flavour to it. Um, and in that, he... The most realistic sci-fi film of all time. <laughs> it's, it's a really great film. And um, he plays this guy who actually is incredibly rational that you very rarely get in these movies where people, you know, they make that emotional decision and they're like, no, we've got to try and save them. And and, and I've never seen it. Isn't it what they're all heading towards the sun and they can't stop. It's like speed. The <laughs> no, that couldn't slow down. No, the, the sun is dying and they've created this kind of uh, fission reactor, which will reignite the sun. And their mission is to go to the sun, drop off the payload and then come back again. Um, but there was also a mission, I think it was seven years earlier, that failed, and they don't know why. Um, so it, it it takes these really interesting twists and turns, and it's an incredibly beautiful film. Um, but it was just really nice to have someone in the movie who's like, uh, oh, oh, look, it's the, it's the wreckage of the old ship. We can go see if there's any people to rescue and see if anyone survived. And, and Chris Evans' character is just like, nope, that's a stupid idea. Keep going on the mission. Go and save the sun. Fuck those people. It's like seven people versus the entire future of humanity. Um, and it's really nice to have a character like that in a film because often those kind of people are completely forgotten about. Um, and and he he performs that incredibly well, and it's a very different character to um, to his Captain America performance or his Fantastic Four performance or his Scott Pilgrim performance. But each of them, they show off a different side to him, and I think Gifted again, it showed him in a very different light to what what people normally think of him as. Yeah, definitely. And I I thought he was great in this. I th- I thought he was really good. But again, it's quite a subtle performance as well because it's um it's not like he's in every single scene necessarily. There are scenes with other people, but he's he's in there most of the time. But a lot of the time, he's not actually saying much. But the few lines that he does have say so much. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a really it's it's a really clever performance, and and he's able to portray a lot about the character with not a lot of dialogue. Um, and instead, again, it's kind of portrayed by his actions and by his sheer existence in this space in the film. Um, and it, it sets up that contrast with uh, with his niece incredibly well. Yeah. And she was really good as well, I thought, for a, a child actor. I thought it, she was, yeah, she really, really nailed it, which is no mean feat, especially when you are playing a, chi- a child that is actually 
a complex character. It's not necessarily that difficult to play a child when you are a child um, and you're just given some lines to say and whatever, but you got the feeling that she genuinely did really understand the point of it and that this kid was supposed to be a math whiz and all that stuff. Yes, yeah, exactly. She, um, McKenna Grace is her name, the, the child actor, um, and she does really well. And it's one of those things where it could have gone down a very different route, um, particularly in the early scenes where she's like feisty with the teachers. And, and I did get the sense of like, oh, no, are they just setting up this feisty, sassy kid? Because, again, that's another thing I really hate is when kids are. Un- un- <laughs> is when kids talk. When kids talk in movies. Robert, children should be seen and not heard. Gordon. <laughs> children should be not near the movies I watch. Gordon. <laughs> Um, I, it's another one of those things where, um, sassy child characters in movies generally really get on my nerves, but again, here they put enough variety and enough, enough complexity into her character to really make it work very well. Mm. Because she has that sassiness early on, but then she has the real extreme vulnerability of a seven-year-old child, um, that is really, really shown in a number of scenes but without it being, I, I thought, hopefully you agree, I didn't think that it was emotionally manipulative, even though it did make me cry. No, I didn't think it was emotionally uh, manipulative at all. Um, I Na- do manipulative. I do have issues with uh, the plot of this film, uh, which I'll get into in a bit after we've stopped saying how good it is. Um, <laughs> there, there are areas of it where I, I didn't feel... It's the whole boat thing, right? Yeah, fucking boats, man. That's another thing you hate is boats, especially children on boats. Children, children being sassy on boats. That is the worst. <laughs> being sassy singing on a boat. Imagine, um, you know, like some. Isn't that Mamma Mia too? It... <laughs> well, they weren't children. Imagine if they, oh, they were younger, you know, younger than us. It... Ergo, children. Imagine if they remade Mamma Mia too but it was all nine-year-olds. That is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> or the best movie ever made. No, the worst movie I'd ever love made. to see a, a nine-year-old pretending to be Pierce Brosnan going, when you're gone, <laughs> whilst looking at pictures of their dead wife. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's... Um, yeah, <laughs> how did we get onto that? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I have issues with this movie, but we'll go onto that in a little bit later. Um, uh, apart from that, we've got Lindsay Duncan, who's really good. Um, mm, now, what do I know her from? As soon as she appeared, I was like, I recognise her, but then I couldn't remember. So what from. she's in About Time. Um, uh, so you right. probably recognise yes. her from that. That's a um, recent one that we watched. Yeah, but she's had a very, uh, a very distinct long career. So Birdman as well. Um, she's in an episode. I never of, saw that. She's in an episode of Toast of London um yeah is in carnage as well um, oh that's a great film we should talk about that at some point yes we should um so she's had a she's had a, a really long great career um and um and yeah she's really good in this as the as the grandmother um and so yeah she's brilliant octavia spencer obviously really yep, good legend um and then jenny slate as well as the teacher yeah who again I thought was actually underused in this film almost because she's really good and isn't so many stuff. It's mainly, um, I just love her as Mona Lisa Saperstein in Parks and Recreation. You've seen that, right? Uh, I've watched a little bit of Parks and Rec. I can't say I definitely Oh, mate. She, well, she, no, she's in the later seasons, so you probably know. No. But you know the character, John Ralphio? Yes, yeah. She she appears as his sister. 
Okay. And she's like okay. a kind of female version of him, like always singing at people and being really annoying and stuff. And when they're both together, it's only like about three or four scenes that they're together, but it's so funny. We recently rewatched really all of it. Actually, that was our kind of post baby thing that we just have on in the background. And yeah, we just finished it. So now we need another TV show. Hate- don't say get don't say Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, I wasn't actually going to say Game of Thrones then. Um, I was going to say um, The Wire. No, uh, I was going to say Chernobyl, which is great and definitely one you want to oh, watch with sounds, a kid. Sounds cheerful. Uh, it's it's genuinely very very good. People are. Are say- there any sassy children in it? Uh, there are no sassy children in it, as far as I'm aware. Um, Damn it! Well, then I don't apart, watch it. apart from at the beginning, where a sassy child walks into the Chernobyl facility and goes, "I'm going to cause a meltdown," uh, 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 and then starts <laughs> singing and dancing around, and then causes a meltdown, and that's really what happened at Chernobyl. That's why. That's, yeah. that's why sassy children. That's why children, you hate sassy that's children, why sassy children right? should not be allowed anywhere. Um, no, it's it's really good. It's not as good as people are making out to be. People are saying it's the best television show ever, which is a lie. It's not, but it is very very I've not good. Even heard of it. It's very, very good. It's only five episodes long. Uh, quite distressing as well. It's a really, it's really well made. Um, and so it does, you know, it deserves the high praise it's got almost. It's not the best thing ever, but it is up there with one of the real landmarks of recent television. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's really good. And it's got some very good people in it as well. Wow. Okay, yeah, this, this actually does look quite good. It looks well put together. I'm looking at it now. It's it's very authentic as well. Um, it's Stellan been... Skarsgård, also from Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> Does he get his bum out in this one as well? I haven't seen his bum yet. I've still got one episode to go. Okay, uh, so cool. There might be some bum action. We'll see. And because it's Chernobyl, he's probably got three buttocks. <laughs> that, that, that's how, that's how um, radiation poisoning works. Yeah, you, you grow extra things. You, you do see in quite graphic detail what happens, which is um, quite distressing, but it's very well done. Um, it, right. it pulls no punches, basically, so it is it is really good. Very, very good TV show. Oh, I suppose the explosion of a nuclear reactor itself does not pull punches. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that's very good. Um, but what's also good is... Uh, is Jenny Slate? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to bring it back here, um, she's in Venom. Venom's awesome. People who say that oh, Venom, the silly not film good. where Tom Hardy is a, a laughing demon man. Yeah, where he gets into a vat full of lobsters and starts eating lobsters raw. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I genuinely, I genuinely loved Venom when I saw it. It's one of the most fun things I've seen in a while. Um, it looks ludicrous. Yeah, it's great. It's exactly what you want from a from a comic book movie. Um. It's it's yeah, um, but she's in that. She has a little role in that, which is good. Um, and overall, she's good in this as well. Yeah, like everything I've seen her in, I've liked. Yes, yeah. Um, and so you you've got all these good performances, and you've got this kind of sort of legal tussle going on, and it's all about the the well being of this child who who knows what she wants. Um, but for the most part in the film, you're still in two minds about, you know, clearly there's a lot of love here, but is this the right place for her? Yeah. Can can this person actually provide her? And it, it's it's not just about providing her the chance to be a great mathma- uh, mathematician. Which is the grandma's obsession. But but more sort of like they have, um, they, they do have one bedroom in the place they're living in. And um, 
and he doesn't have health insurance because the American healthcare system is some kind of horrible Kafkaesque nightmare where people have to choose between dying or being in so much debt that they die. Um, yeah. it, and, and, or being stuck in a job that you hate just for the health insurance. Well, that, that, that's kind of life, isn't it? It, it, yeah it, 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 we're all stuck in jobs we hate because we have to to survive um but yeah in, yeah in, but in it's, america, i feel like in the it's much US, more it's immediate really stark yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in america it's much more immediate in that you will die of getting an infected cut in a week's time die of a third a yeah. yes um and so it's it's interesting the way that it frames it although obviously you're always on the side of 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 frank you know played by chris evans um there there is that kind of doubt in the back of your mind where you're like well could there be a better place for for this character um and 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 for this for this child to actually achieve what she wants and and achieve what's best for her cuz cuz let's be honest she's 7 years old she doesn't necessarily know exactly what she wants from life and doesn't no, know exactly even what's if best she is for a math her. genius yeah and 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 i think it's interesting the way they play with it but i do feel as though towards the end it goes a little bit off the deep end in the other direction oh really what because it becomes this kind of intricate family plot well i don't necessarily mind the intricate family plot but basically uh so spoiler alert again you know you get one at the beginning of each episode but just in case another spoiler yeah yeah i always record my intro um C- chris evans he gives up mary his niece um well, and he gets forced to by the courts but he there's a point where he sort of stops fighting isn't there on the advice of his lawyer yeah so he's not he's not forced to but it's more that things could be much worse for him if it continued down that route so so they come to some kind of arrangement so it's not necessarily by the court but it's more the two sets of lawyers um discussing things and so um so he's she she's put into a foster family yeah and um, as soon as you see them, you're like, the mum seems nice, but the dad seems like a really weird creep. <laughs> well, they, they they seem they. Are. He's like a, a Jonathan Franzen type. I I didn't necessarily think that he seemed like a creep. They seemed like uh, a he fine... definitely writes books that were once relevant and now and are now just curmudgeonly old man pervert <laughs> books. But Bo- um, books about creative writing teachers having sex with their students who are half their age. <laughs> he definitely writes those kind of novels. Um, but but so so she goes into um goes into foster care and um and it seems as though that's it but then it takes a sudden conspiracy turn where the cat is put into a uh, animal sanctuary where it's about to get killed and you've got this sudden oh there's this sudden conspiracy and this mad rush uh, mad rush to the um to the vets to stop the cat from being put down a chase scene everyone needs a chase scene and and then it turns into the foster family is part of a conspiracy with the grandma to make her a super math genius. And it just felt really strange, particularly in the way that it, that there's, there's some very bizarre critiques in this movie of, uh, of the child care system in ways that I don't necessarily agree with, because um, in real life, most of the criticisms of it are, um that it's very difficult for foster families to take in children and it's very difficult to adopt children and one of the it wouldn't happen that quickly it's like suddenly she's there with them and and one of the great one of the great difficulties is you know there's so many kids who need good homes and actually getting them into homes in the first place is incredibly hard um equally another issue that often comes up is that child psychologists 
they don't identify threats in a family home very well. And and time and time again, they've been criticised for being overworked. Whereas here, it's the opposite thing, where she goes to see a, a psychologist who suddenly picks up on, oh my God, they watch MMA together and, and jumps to all the wrong conclusions. Whereas in reality, it would probably oh, be... UFC. Uh, was it UFC, not MMA? Yeah, yeah. But not isn't, to be confused with KFC. Isn't UFC... Ultimate fighting chicken. Isn't UFC just a uh, the league for MMA? Oh, I don't know. I assume there are different things. See, I don't even actually even really know what the hell I'm talking about. But <laughs> MMA, MMA to me always just sounds like it stands for mixed martial arts. I thought it means that you're a person who knows like karate and judo and a lot, all the other ones and you can do them all. And then you're up against some other guy who can do them all. And it's like, which one are you going to choose? So it's a really difficult fight. Whereas UFC is Conor McGregor biting people in a cage. See, I, I think that mixed martial arts is the uh combat form which is used in ufc so in ufc you get people of different fighting styles so it might be someone who's a boxer versus someone who is a judo expert that kind of thing right and is that why it's good because it's like which is the better skill yeah i mean it's all it's all nonsense men punching each other in the face (laughs) at the end of the day but um that's no way to talk about the marvel marvel cinematic universe (laughs) that is that is exactly the way to talk about the marvel universe (laughs) hey here's my big purple boy and he just made people turn into dust let's punch him in the face (laughs) that's the marvel universe for me um but (laughs) But but <laughs> don't talk about Prince, my purple boy. Like <laughs> don't punch Prince. But but in 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 this movie, it's almost as though it's making out that um, child psychologists read too much into it. Whereas in reality, it's often the other way around, where they don't pick up on genuine threats within a household. Um, and I'm not sure whether I necessarily agree with the message that um, that foster care families are a threat to the family unit. And that child psychologists are a threat to the family place where the family knows what's best. And I know that this movie kind of toys with that where it's the uncle um, who knows what's best for the child rather than the grandmother. But it still feels a bit strange to frame it in that way when it's one of the most underfunded uh, and and most needed for funding areas of our society of our western See, society I, d- I don't think that the film did that intentionally at all i think that's an unintended consequence of the way that it chose to resolve itself and it chose to become plot driven in the last third if that makes sense so they had to invent this kind of this plot for him to lose her and to get her back and it's like, how can we do that? Okay, well, we'll go. We'll do the courts. We'll do the family. We'll do this, that, and whatever. Whereas it was actually more interesting to sort of tie that into his relationship with his mother, the the grandmother. But then to to get to that point, they had to make some questionable choices that, as you say, present child psychologists and foster care in a particular way. But it's it's only in one or two scenes, so I didn't read too much into that. See, I, I don't. Again, I don't think it was intentional, but I think the the fact that it made those decisions to create drama in the film, I don't really think worked, and I think it took away from the overall message of the movie, um, in a way that I, I didn't necessarily agree with, and I think they still could have had the the conceit at the end, the the mild twist at the end, without having the dramatic. I've got to save my cat. The evil people were going to kill my cat. Oh look, they've been they they've they've lied to me and they've lied to the courts and they're evil. Oh, they're so evil. Um, 
and I think given all of the grey areas that they'd been up to that point was, was Lindsay Duncan not enough of a villain <laughs> well, well that's the thing and what I could liked, she not have just taken her away and what I liked about it was that she wasn't necessarily a villain she thought she was doing what was best for the kid but by the end of the movie it's framed her in this way where she is an out and out villain and that the foster family are out and out villains um and I really didn't like the fact that it made things so black and white in a film that had really been been doing things in a much more careful manner up to that point. But at the same time, he offers for her to publish her dead daughter's research, even though against the, the daughter's wishes, which is a kindness that I think really complicated it. And I found very interesting because I was like, he doesn't, she doesn't deserve that kindness almost because she's been set up as this villain. But the fact that he shows her that kindness did make me rethink her character a bit. Yeah, and I, again, I think that could have been more powerful if it hadn't had the dramatic twist ending of the supervillains. You know, suddenly, suddenly, the in this... two tutors who are sitting there silently in the room, and he goes, "You two out." I mean, let's be honest; those tutors, the moment that it was all over and done with, and they'd had that discussion, they would blatantly have just nicked that research and just run off and been like, "Hey, MIT, look what I've got for you! Yeah, check it out! Check it out! I've done some maths." Um, but. I think it would have worked better if they'd kept those grey areas in place. And, you know, you could have had... She's got a lawyer with a lot of clout and a lot of money behind her. It, and a nice suit. It looks like it's swaying the court one way. It looks like it's all over with. And then as a last resort, he says, look, I've got what you want. I've got this solution to this this great equation. Um, I didn't ha- I didn't want to publish it. And I didn't want to give it to you because it was against the wishes of my sister, who said not to publish it until you were dead. But in order to save my niece from the life that you led my sister down, here you go. And I think then, it, it, yeah. it, I think that way it would have felt much more natural because it, there's this sudden jarring moment where you've got Cruella de Vil here out of nowhere. <laughs> A proper, <laughs> proper evil character. <laughs> um, if math doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. <laughs> and so you, you've got that character out of nowhere, basically. Suddenly she is much more evil as a character than you ever thought. Whereas then at the end, you you could have had that much more impact of her realising, wait, the decisions that I made with my daughter may have led her down this path. And, you know, mental illness doesn't really work that way, but there there are those kind of stresses that can be put on someone's life that can trigger events and yeah. her recognizing that i think could have been much more powerful and it would have made her more sympathetic it would have made his his determination to save her that much more genuine as well whereas there's this sudden moment of unnecessary action out of nowhere which i wish wasn't there yes you're right it was like suddenly action now yeah and they didn't even punch anybody I know. Where was the punching, Chris Evans? He should what's have. The, what's the point it, of him being in a film if he's not going to punch? He you? should have knocked on the door of the foster parents, and then when they were opened, punched the dad in the face. And then when the foster mum comes and says, "Yo, you can't come in," punch her in the face. And then he walks into the <laughs> walks into the gazebo, and uh, and then the 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 two uh, tutors are there. One of them rips off his shirt, and he's got a big six pack, and he's like, "Yo, you're not going to stop us from doing maths." And he goes, yes, I will. And we're in America, so it's math and then uppercut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then, then, then his mum's the final boss. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's got to punch her in the face to win. Punch her in the face to win. No, not, he's got to hit her in the face with his, his um, dead sister's research. I'm going to punch you E equals MC square in the jaw. Bow! <laughs> 
It's the only equation I know. Uh, After this, you're going to be an isosceles triangle. (laughs) Did you, when you were at school, they were teaching you the different types of triangle. Did they teach you to remember it by saying that it sounded like sausages? And that like, because they were a random size, you could fit sausages inside them. No. (laughs) I definitely had a teacher who did that at some point. That's... uh... I sausages triangle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. No, I did not have that. It was all Pythagoras, was it? Yeah, that's that's kind of thrown me there, Paddy. The sausage triangle. Yeah. Um, So anyway... So after, yeah, and then after he hits his mum in the face with the research, he goes back into the house and punches the piano in the face as well. Yeah, exactly. Just because he can't get his his daughter a piano. Precisely, precisely. But that was a really, really good shot, actually, where there's a couple of, there are subtle things like that that um, just show good attention to detail, where there are a couple of scenes where she keeps going on about getting a piano and he's like, we can't get a piano. And then when he's in there with the foster family, after he's done talking to them and it's clear that it's going to happen, uh, they've, they've exchanged just a few words, few terse words. Then the camera just pans out to reveal the piano, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Yes, yeah, um, which is good. But I, I can't get over the fact that they were going to kill the fucking cat. Like I know like, the cat nearly died, like, and then he saved Bert. He saved the other cats as well. He did save the other cats. That's how you know he's a good boy. It would have he's been a good, he's a good person. But what he should have done is had those cats with him when he went around the house, and then as they opened the door, throw a cat in the face. <laughs> Attack my cat brethren. I was thinking about that. So he's like, I've got Frank, he's back at the apartment. And then he doesn't tell her about the other cats. So you're like, would she actually have enjoyed the fact that there were other cats around? I'm sure she would have done. Oh yeah. You know, what's better than what's cats. what's better than one cat? Three cats. Three cats. Um, and and but uh, it it just strikes me as a because if they were genuinely caring people, which you know, the movie makes them out to be super evil, but let's be honest, they probably weren't super evil. At the very least, they would have said, oh, my allergies have played up because of the cat. Do you want to come take your cat back? Yeah. Instead no, of but, instead of leaving the cat the, to die. his mum did it. Well, yes, yeah, and the mum did do it, but surely it would have been a much more decent thing Cor- to do than to, give, than to give the guy back his cat rather than leave it to die. Um, and, and that's the kind they of... They didn't know it was going to die, though, did well, they? They, they, thought, they assumed someone would pick it up and then you try not to think about what happens if nobody adopts it. If you dump a cat, when you know that there's a loving owner for it somewhere, you know you're putting its life in the hands of fate. And so they knew it was going to die. They knew that there was the possibility that no one was going to pick it up. And and that's my problem, is suddenly these people are made out to be genuine villains and they act in ways which are are far beyond the realms of what this movie has been leading us to believe. And it feels very... It doesn't feel genuine at all. Yeah, see, it, it felt a bit contrived to me, but I was so emotionally invested in the the their relationship between Chris Evans and the child that I didn't care. For me, it, it, it worked for me because it was a plot device and I was fully immersed in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, whereas for me, it was a very obvious plot device and it really took me out of the movie altogether. Like, there comes, there comes a point in films where... Yeah, if you are really, really invested in the plot, you forgive things like that, don't you? You forgive bad characterization. Yeah, but I was very invested in this film up until that point. But there, there's a limit, isn't there? I think it's because you hate cats. This is your, <laughs> this is your thing. This is why last week you say you don't like Oliver and Company, which is all about a cat. 
a streetwise cat. You can't stand. <laughs> you can't stand a streetwise cat. But I, Fred, Fred the cat, who's got one eye in this film, he's definitely a streetwise cat. I, he has seen some shit. I mean, I am renowned for my dislike of cats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and people, people look at me and they look at my ninety photos of my own cat. They think that's a man who really hates cats. The only reason you keep her around is so you have something to hate at home. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I come through. I come through the door after work, and I don't go, "Hello, how was your day?" I go, "You little bastard!" Yeah, fuck hey. off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've like, you've just had such a such a joyful day at work. You know, right, bringing you all of the joy in the world. You're like, oh, I have to come home to this cat. Oh, it's going to want feeding and it's going to want cuddles. What a it's bastard. It's going to meow at me in a cute way. How dare it be there in my space? Yeah. How dare it have long, beautiful fur? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I despise that little furry beast. <laughs> That's what they used to say about me. <laughs> oh dear um so yeah. yeah so i've got mixed feelings about this movie it, it was nearly there for me but again much like our last film it, that ending really spoiled it for me yeah and endings are tough aren't they you know especially if a film has a sassy kid in it and and once again it's this move towards giving it a a more traditional movie ending in a film that up until that point wasn't necessarily the most typical film yeah you're right but it had a happy ending with um, him sharing the look with Jenny Slate after dropping her at the Girl Scouts after she's been to clever, clever big school. Yes, yeah, and and so everyone's happy. Everyone's happy apart from everyone's the a winner. Yeah, but she could never be happy because she's cold and evil. Yeah, because she's Cruella Deville, apparently. Yeah, for sure. And at the end, he he starts introducing her to philosophy because there's this whole thing where he was a philosophy professor at um. Uh, where was it harvard boston college yeah philosophy professor at boston college before and now he's just a boat guy because he quit his job for whatever reason to take her down to florida away from the from cruella Deville because she's evil and at the end he's like let's have a chat about descartes i think therefore i am ha 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 yes and and i i liked that because it showed that she's this math prodigy but there's still so much for her to learn in other ways and and it kind of proved that having her socialize with people of her own age group was a good thing to do and that he was on the right cards all along yeah definitely but she can still go do clever big maths if she wants to yes yeah and so so it, it i i liked that it's just a shame that in the scenes before that they nearly killed cats for no reason other than to make the audience feel sad yeah it's it's the the cat manipulation <laughs> Which was first practiced by Cat Stevens, of course. Exactly, exactly. Who's they had that song in that film that's always there in every film like this. I listen to the cats and the da da da. That one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that song a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a good. Yeah, and at that point, I'm like, oh, that was relatively early on. They were on a boat, and that song comes on, and I'm like, is this gonna be one of those films? Is this gonna like emotionally manipulate me? But it it didn't. Even though the the scene where they go to the hospital and they sit around waiting for someone to come out and be like, it's a boy, is almost steps into that territory. But man, it actually, actually got me. And maybe it's just because I'm a dad now, but it got me. I think it might just be because you're a dad now, because I liked that scene, but it didn't get me. And th- this movie didn't come close to getting me in that emotional way. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well made, but it didn't 
it didn't grab me emotionally and pull on my heartstrings like that. And I think yeah, maybe like, I watched those scenes, especially where she's like, don't leave me here or whatever. And I'm like, I don't ever want my son to know pain like that. You know, not that I think they ever will, but you know, it's the thing that you think about, uh, but you could, you could think that about your cat. Don't, obviously. don't go off and become a bait man. Yeah. That's, I, uh, I that's just make sure he never sets foot on a boat. Ever. Exactly. Make sure he doesn't become sassy and he doesn't set foot on a boat. No sass, no boats. Those are the rules. That's <laughs> the rules in the in the Johnston household. Yep. That's, that's um, the sign up. What does the, I'll get her to read it to me. What does the sign say? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I enjoyed it, but I think it it might be that you were more emotionally invested due to your circumstances. Yeah, um, I think so. Whereas for me, it was it was good, but there wasn't something that. Um, that grabbed me on an emotional level and and demanded that I paid attention from that way. I was just more involved in the plot and the characters, which might be why when it takes those weird left turns uh, into something less genuine, I became much less interested. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right. You hit it on the head there. That's why, yeah, our differing perspectives on this, and and that totally makes sense, right? You you, I'm sure you feel very different to me about the film Cats and Dogs, for example fucking hate that film cats <laughs> cats are bad dogs even worse oh they're, yeah. all, they're 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 the sassy children of the animal world dogs yeah they're all like look at me i can be loud and smelly and <laughs> and demand Hence the film underdog yeah exactly the, the the most smelly and sassy part of the dog the underdog <laughs> the <laughs> not to be confused with the up dog <laughs> what is up dog <laughs> well eh. <laughs> um so this film was directed by mark webb who also did 500 days of summer which yes. is a film that we we hated on i think didn't we it's about episode five <laughs> yeah I, we didn't hate on it but we kind of explained how it hadn't but aged well there were some problems with it yeah um yeah it had its issues um, whereas this yeah, feels but other than that he's famous for doing spider-man yep films. so we did the amazing spider-man which is which is good and then he's done lots of television hasn't he as well yeah not the that's not the toby Maguire's ones is it no that's the um other guy andrew garfield yeah i like him loves lasagna hates mondays yeah <laughs> um <laughs> It, it l- likes to express those opinions on posters in offices. He does. He does. Um, so, so yeah, and I think this is good. So he's got he's got Snow White next, I think, doesn't he, Mark Webb? Oh, interesting. I did um, not know that. Uh, yes, it says here. Yeah. So he's. Uh, I'm announced lo- that he was in talks. It says here. I'm looking forward to that disappointment, where the the majesty of old Disney animation is turned into drab and dreary greys and browns. Yeah, especially as Snow White is ancient. That was their the first like proper Disney feature length animation. Wasn't yeah, it? that was 19... in the thirties, wasn't it? No, it's nineteen twenty something. I think. I thought it was the thirties. Let's find out. Snow White. Twenty. I'm going for nineteen twenty nine. I reckon about nineteen thirty five. I know you're right. Nineteen thirty seven. Oh, two years off. Uh, yeah, still. but it's it's that's, it's that's insane. It's ancient, but it's still got that that like wonderful feel to it and that kind of hypnotic old uh, animation 
feel to it which it's going to be very difficult to be able to replicate that particularly given that we've already had an amazing live action adaptation of snow white and the seven dwarves in the form of the music video to that one ramstein song oh yeah sonna was it sonna yeah that's it. someone playing a giant guitar on yeah. top of a hill <laughs> yeah. you know what right when we first got cable tv that song had just come out and when i switched over to kerrang for the first time that was the song that was on oh what a first song i love yeah, i love I that song and i'd never heard of rammstein before and then i was i was really wowed by that um because rammstein are great i won't hear a bad word about rammstein they are excellent foyer fry what a tune yeah. uh, full of classics rammstein and they're still Obviously, going do hast do hast which means you ask <laughs> um but they're still going rammstein i think they released another album this year excellent yeah which is great to see and obviously they've done the music for um the film triple x with vin diesel yes the the great great movie triple x the the film that everyone loves yeah the the greatest action film of all time exactly exactly um but yeah, so so Mark Webb, you've got your work cut out for you, lad. As a man who used to direct music videos, um, you might have been beaten to the punch here by the wonderful German group. Yeah, for sure. You've got you've got to buck up your ideas. Yeah. But... yeah. Alternatively, just make a full length version of that video, and I will be super keen on it. Sorry, I've just I'm on Rammstein's Wikipedia page. I'll just read you the first line. In, in 1989, East German guitarist Richard Z. Crispy escaped to West Berlin and started the band Orgasm Death Gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. What a sentence. That is amazing. That's brilliant. Some Germans just have the most incredible sensibility, don't they? <laughs> Where it's, it's like... Yeah, anything that's kind of just as rude as possible. See, I'd really love to see a a movie about the foundation of Rammstein now. Yeah, especially as you know, it's pr- that was pre the Berlin Wall. Yeah, escaping to West Berlin and starting a yeah. band called Orgasm. Okay, I have Death to read gimmick. you the next the next um thing. The next at that time, he was heavily influenced by American music, especially that of the rock group Kiss. <laughs> After the Berlin Wall came down. He moved back home to Schwerin, where Till Lindemann worked as a basket weaver and played drums in the band First Arsh, loosely translated as First Ass or First Arse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Brilliant. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, someone make a Rammstein film. Come on. Yeah, needs to be done. Yeah, that would be an incredible biopic. Yeah. A musical biopic. Give us yeah. that. Oh, mate. I need to go listen to Rammstein after this. It's been so many years since I listened to them. It has. Um, but yeah, uh, so I can't remember how we got onto this, but Rammstein would have been a great addition to Gifted. Yeah, for sure. You just get back and then they're, they're hanging out there in his apartment when they get back and they're like, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, exactly. Want to hear some music? Yeah, and then they we're, gonna, we're about to watch some Ultimate Fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just watching Ultimate Fighting with Rammstein. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. They strike me as a group of men who would understand the difference between UFC and MMA. I'm going to search in case I've got it wrong. <laughs> I'm 90% certain you're right. Oh, man, Rammstein are playing um, the Milton Keynes Bowl the day after my birthday. Ah, oh, dude. Eric's first concert, Rammstein. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, so noisy. Okay, yeah, here. MMA is the sport. UFC is the major organization. So I was right. You were correct. Good. Okay, I've I've regained my UFC credentials. 
it's an important part of my life <laughs> to know that. Okay, that's it fine. <laughs> you know, I've never watched a, an MMA match. I have not either. I, I don't really like boxing. I, so... I don't mind boxing. But yeah, it's it's a sort of... <sighs> Yeah, it's violent and thuggish, isn't it? And it's hard to get past that. But there is a point at which you start to see it as a, a contest, you know, feats of strength and whatever. But yeah, I'm not sure about it. Oh yeah, I mean, it is a it is a a very good sport from that sh- like sheer physicality point of view. But it's not something I've ever really been able to get involved in. Um, I've never really felt a, like a, a passion to watch boxing, and I think MMA, MMA I guess, is the same thing. And you know, as discussed last week, there's also cockfighting. So why why would you go to a boxing game when you could watch chickens fight each other in your local pub? Or or men fighting chickens. Exactly, men fighting their weight in chickens. <laughs> yeah, that's something that's not <laughs> that's being explored by MMA. Yeah, MCA mixed chicken arts. <laughs> Isn't that the academy not, not where they be... teach people how to make KFC? Yeah, <laughs> not to be confused with MCA of the Beastie Boys. God rest his soul. <laughs> oh, bless. Um, Genuinely, one of my favourite people. Taken too long, taken too too um, far too early from mm, this planet. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, do you have anything else to share about Gifted? Uh, no, I, th- I think we've covered it. I, it's it's a good film. It's well put together. Um, it got me. Is the main thing. It got me on the emotional level, which you know a lot of films often don't when they when they try to be emotional. But it was it managed to tell a very emotional story without being emotionally manipulative, which I think is actually comparatively rare in film. So it's it's good. I've got a lot of time for this film, and Chris Evans is good. Yes, yeah, Chris Evans I think is really good in this. Um, it didn't quite work for me just because of what I've said earlier. Um, but it was still a good movie. It's still it, it nearly gets there. It's just that 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 ending that kind of takes away from it for me. Also, I, I would like to sing karaoke in a house with Octavia Spencer. Oh yeah, for sure. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be great. She'd sing obviously some great cool pop soul number like whatever it is they're singing in that film. We put we then proceed to put on Sonna by Ramstein. Ah oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what the words are because i don't speak german <laughs> exactly um so so shall i move on to a bit of trivia before we, yes, we close please out? do so your main your main man john krasinski um <gasps> what good friends with follow bostonian chris evans provided the voice to the mit operator at the end of the film ah interesting is, it, is that uncredited? I didn't see that in the credits. Uh, yeah, I didn't stick around for the credits. I didn't reckon. I didn't reckon there would be an end of credits <laughs> like spoiler for the gifted <laughs> yeah. two, where Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> turns up and is like, "We need you to join a very gifted set of students." Yeah, um, and she's in her Girl Scout uniform. And yeah, he's like, come on, take that off. <laughs> this, is, this is serious. Yeah. I will take the box of cookies though. <laughs> um. So Chris Evans and Jenny Slate began a relationship together after filming had ended um but are are not together anymore yes i did i did know that yeah um this was mark webb's first original film since 500 days of summer um because in the meantime it was the spider-man movies 
Yeah. And the uh, and Chris Evans and Octavia Spencer, they are both in Snowpiercer together. Have you seen Snowpiercer? Oh, no, that's directed by my main man Bong Joon Ho. It is indeed. Is right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a sort of like, sci-fi like dystopia. Um, it's a good film. It's a it's a very good film based on a comic, I think. Um, and I think it's oh, it's right. being changed into a TV series at the moment as well interesting um so yeah so that that's a that's a little bit of trivia for you uh how are we going to rate this um good question i don't know how about how many navia stokes problems out of 20 would you solve yeah how many millennium problems yeah would you would you solve um (laughs) before you were satisfied that you were um the best mathematician ever um let's see i i'll give it a i'll give it a 15 yeah bon jovi on a bon jovi <laughs> living on a um, yeah living on a living on a we uh so we have a little bit of a difference here where i'm going to give it a 12 so not a major one but for me it, no it's it's above a bon jovi but the the the, the muddy ending uh i think ruined it a little bit for me otherwise it would have been much higher yeah and ob- objectively um, I agree with you about all that stuff, but subjectively, it still got me. Still got you. Yeah, it's all good. All right, what's what's next? Your choice, mate. Next, you ready for this? No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never. I'm never ready. <laughs> um, we're we're watching a movie that we mentioned a little bit of time ago. Uh, I've never seen it. I want to watch it. Uh, the Lobster. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it either, and I think it looks really good. Yes, great, yeah, good choice, good choice. Let's get on it. That's a, that's a very good idea. I'm very I'm very down with that. Awesome. I was thinking of picking something truly awful because we haven't watched a bad film in a while. But... We need to do a real shit piece. <laughs> exactly. But I thought, you know yeah. what? I'm not I'm not ready to choose the shit piece just yet. We're gonna we're gonna watch what is reportedly an excellent film. Okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I will take the ship piece challenge. <laughs> it's like the ice bucket challenge. Yeah, yeah, except we're raising no money for nothing. <laughs> we're just causing pain to ourselves. Important money for the ship piece foundation. <laughs> which provides funding for ship pieces. Uh, we should set that up. If you Have you made a film that's done terribly? Come to the ship piece foundation to make your next one. If... You won't get money anywhere else. <laughs> If you, have you been blacklisted by hollywood yeah if you've got a really bad movie idea that we're gonna love we will give you at least 10 pounds towards making it <laughs> maybe 11 <laughs> exactly exactly we'll crowdfund it by which you mean we'll go down the local pub and after the cockfight is finished we'll go around with a jug and go go on put some put some coppers in here for the shit piece foundation. <laughs> put them in the shit piece jug <laughs> the shit piece jug <laughs> it's like a toby jug with a post-it note on it <laughs> exactly exactly yeah oh dear okay cool that, that that's it from me very good yeah that's it from me so obviously we've recorded two days in a row because you're going to be w- busy with the at uh, the entertainment three show yes so yeah um so we won't have had time to get to any tweets or emails yet but if you have anything to share as always um get on the twitter at big boys don't pod on the emails big boys don't grow podcast at gmail.com yeah, let us know. What did you think of Gifted? Are you Gifted? Did did you did it make you think of the Lighthouse Family song Lifted? Oh yeah, banger. Absolute banger. Yeah, great tune. Um if you 
had to rescue three cats. Which three cats would you choose? Yeah, Garfield, Felix the cat, and Raja the tiger from Aladdin. Because in Aladdin, they keep referring to him as a cat, like as a funny thing. Ah, I see. Um, Felix the cat is definitely high on my list. He's got that magic bag, which can do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so just sure. just the sheer ability to have that is good. I would. Everyone's a winner. Yeah, exactly. Garfield. Yeah, I'd rescue Garfield, I think. Someone's got to hate Mondays for all of us. Exactly, because the rest of us love Mondays so much. Yeah. We need to be put in our place. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> anyway, right, that is it. <laughs> that is it from me. All right, we'll be back next time to talk about the lobster. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>